Hi, this is Eli Nelson, and this is the My City Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. It is our prayer that this message will awaken you to come alive in the things of Christ. Enjoy the message. Thank you, Lord. Hey, it's Vision Sunday. How many of y'all happy to be in the house of God this morning? Come on, it's going to be a great day in the house of God. How many of y'all have your Bibles in this place? Let me see them. Lift them up in the air. Lift them up in the air like you just don't care. Say, this is my Bible. This is my Bible. God's going to speak to you today through the Word of God. Open your Bibles up to Luke chapter 6. I got some baggage here with me today. And uh, you may have seen some sermons and stuff with people in bags and things like that, but this ain't one of those sermons. This is something different. This is something fresh here for you today. I believe God is speaking to us. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Are you there? Say, I'm there if you're there. If you're not there, say, hold up. Hold up. All right, we'll give you a minute. We'll give you a minute. Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday, what is it? it it's, um, it's, it's a word that I believe or a phrase that I believe God is speaking to this house that he's calling our church to focus on over the next 12 months. Last year, we talked about being into the current. Like, hey, wherever God is taking us, we want to be open to the Holy Spirit and where he's leading us and where he's guiding us. Two years ago, we talked about stand. All you got to do is just get back up. The person the devil cannot beat down is the one that refuses to give up. All you got to do, we used a rocky illustration. I had some boxing gloves. And I said, some, sometimes you get beat down, but the devil only loses or only wins if you stay down. He knows that if you get back up, he cannot defeat you. And we're calling our church to stand. That was two years ago. And, and, and this year, I'm excited to share with you uh, the phrase, yeah, I said phrase of, of this year. And uh, we're going to be using our scripture today is Luke chapter 6, verse 46. These are the words of Jesus. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, Again, I can't just hear the word of God. I actually have to do. A lot of us are hungry for a new, fresh revelation from God. But sometimes if you just did what you knew, if you just did what you knew, you would actually see true transformation happen in your life. It's less about revelation and more about application. Actually applying what you know. He says, if you hear it and you apply it, do not confuse yourself. Well, I'm in church and I listen to the word of God that you are actually Following God is about applying what God is speaking to you and what you're reading in the Word of God. He says, and puts them into practice. I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep. Say, dug down deep. Sometimes you got to dig deep. He dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not it struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Can I tell you, there's many things that God has called our church to do. We have several core values. We have who he's called us to be in this city, to awaken our city, to come alive in Christ. And I can tell you one thing, though, is that what I really feel like God's doing in this house this year for sure, is that he's saying, what good is it to do all these things and, and, and to, 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 to build this church and to do what you feel like God has called you to do in this house? What good is it all that if it's just one generation? If it's just here and gone? 
I'm super excited to share some of the initiatives that God's placed upon our heart on, and Vision Builders this Friday. And as you're part of this church, you'll start to hear a little bit more of those. I'll be sharing that with our Vision Builders. How many of y'all thankful for our Vision Builders that go above and beyond every single week? They are generous in the house of God. I'm so thankful for all of the, those that tithe and give so generously to this church and also for all of our Vision Builders in this house. We truly could not do what God has called us to do without you. So I, I'm excited to share some of those things. But what good is it if it's just here one generation and gone the next? I'm not interested in building a, a, a cool little thing that was, you know, it was here for 10 years and then, okay, then my city church no longer existed because it was just one generation. I believe that God has called this church not just to be here one moment and gone the next, but to actually build something that will last. And that's what God is calling this church to focus on this year is we are calling this year and the phrase that we're focused on is built to last. And that's what we're going to be focusing on today. How do you build something that lasts? God said you have to build it on a solid foundation. You've got to put it into practice. And last week, not last week, but two weeks ago, we talked about the orphan spirit and daddy issues, and that we all have tendencies to have an orphan spirit. And I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to our house today. If you're going to build something that lasts, you have to deal and face this orphan spirit in this house. You've got to face it in the lives of your congregants. You've got to face it in your own personal life. Because this orphan spirit, get this, this orphan spirit will cripple you from building something that will last. Because it'll, you could build up this great big house. You could build up this great big cool whatever that looks like but if it doesn't have a good foundation that foundation is I actually hear he's my father and now I'm actually putting into practice everything that my father has said if you carry an orphan spirit you will not build something that lasts so this this may be a series that we're going through but frankly I'm going to beat this drum until until we all feel like we are set free from the desires and the tendencies to follow orphan spirit how many all excited for that this year Come on. Hey, so you can be seated this morning. Uh, just turn to your neighbor and just say, are you building something that lasts? And if you're a smart, smart aleck, you kind of turn back and you say, um, well, it depends what I'm building upon. Because if you're building upon a solid foundation, as Jesus said, if you hear my words and put them into practice, you will Build something that will last. You know, a few weeks ago, if you did not listen to the first sermon from this series, which was two weeks ago, we didn't have service last year because, man, that weather was cold. And uh, we even ran into some complications this week. Our trucks did not start again. And so we decided, we're like, hey, we're going to make service happen. So we loaded up the trailers and we, we pulled up here last night. How many of y'all thankful for our amazing teams that go above and beyond every single... Sunday morning, Saturday night, throughout the weeks, our group leaders and our, our team, our kids team, and our, our amazing host team and greeters and everything of that. So, so thankful for our teams that allow us to be able to have church in this house. And, and uh, um, yeah, if you didn't listen to two weeks ago, you got to be sure to listen to that. We talked heavily on some areas of the orphan spirit. Every single one of us has orphan spirit tendencies. And if you do not think you have one, you have one of the main ones, and it is called pride. It's, it's an older brother syndrome that you feel like you deserve everything, and nothing's actually 
wrong. All of us have orphan spirit tendencies. Those orphan spirits, uh, it's not necessarily a spirit that you can cast out, although the spirit tendencies can lead to a level of of torment and oppression and possibly even possession if led too far into that uh, belief and the practicing of those beliefs. You have to be cognizant of your tendencies and why you actually believe what you believe. For example, someone doesn't text you back if you have tendencies of an orphan spirit and it hasn't fully, you haven't fully seen God as your father, you look to a not text, someone not texting you back as rejection. And you internalize it and you say, well, they must not like me. What's wrong with me? Uh, if you look to your possessions as finding yourself, finding fulfillment, I matter more because now I drive a BMW or a Maserati or I matter more because I actually own a car or I have a three-car garage house or I have some properties or I matter more because of my possessions, what I wear, what I have, then you have orphan spirit tendencies. Because how many of y'all know we have a heavenly father that knows what we need and it does not base, our value is not based on what we possess, but on who is our father. So those are some orphan spirit tendencies. Some are uh, people pleasing. That's the tendency that I do certain things in order to, to be accepted by others. If, if I don't do it, then I might not be accepted. Uh, and that comes because you yourself don't feel accepted by your heavenly father. But remember the words of God that said to Jesus before Jesus ever did anything. He said, this is my son and who I am well pleased. That's what God said about Jesus. Jesus did not have any orphan spirit tendencies. Why? Because he knew his father. Him and his father was one. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane prayed that we would be one with the father as he is with the father. That's what God has called all of us to be. And if we don't face these orphan spirit tendencies, they will rob us of our calling in life and they will keep us from being able to build something that will last. Could go into a few other ones. We're constantly comparing to one another. We're jealous of other people when they get celebrated because we think, well, why didn't I get an award? Why didn't I get celebrated? Don't you see how I work so hard? This is an orphan spirit tendency. A child of God tendency says, I don't care if no one else sees me. My father sees me. So an orphan spirit is always jealous of other people. I'm trying to get a reward. I'm trying to get noticed by it. No, my reward is in heaven. God sees me. That's a, a spirit of sonship, a spirit of being a daughter. Another one would be loneliness. No one cares about me. No one's reaching out to me. When a spirit of sonship knows that God has already reached out to me and I actually find a, a, a lack of loneliness, I actually can repel that spirit, that orphan spirit, by being able to see that God already has accepted me. I'm never alone, so I never have to be afraid. I never have to be abandoned. So therefore, I can now reach out to others. Can I tell you one of the best ways to combat loneliness is to initiate connectedness. You want to combat loneliness? Can I tell you, when you feel that spirit come upon you, no one cares about me, no one reaches out to me, that is a demonic spirit trying to influence your life. But if you take a moment, you say, Holy Spirit, I know that you're with me. Help me to see that I'm a child of God. Help me to see the people that are in my life. God, and help me to also be that for someone else. The more you start to resist that spirit, again, we're called to resist the devil and he'll flee from it. The more we resist that spirit, the more in tune we are to recognize that spirit when it comes. 
And I believe that for every single person in this place today, God has called you to build something that will last, and he will be able to cause you to rise up when something comes against you. You're able to look at that spirit once again and say, ah, I know you. I've seen you before in my life. Not today, devil. You don't have to let that depression come over. You don't have to let that oppression or that loneliness or that rejection or the possessions of your life control you anymore because I'm a child of the Most High God. So see, some of these things in our life that, that we're letting continue to torment our lives, um, we've actually learned to put up with rather than to leave, live free from. And I believe that every single one of us is called to live free from these orphan spirit tendencies. And, and not even just for ourselves, but for the generations that will follow. Because there's things in our lives that we've, we've received and that have caused us to build a foundation off of sand. It's an illustration of these tendencies that we either carry because of some things that we're doing. Or we've inherited because of some generations that have gone before us. See, we all have daddy issues. And just as the sake of an illustration, uh, I just want to show what some of these daddy issues. It, it looks like something as simple as, as a bag. And I'm going to need a, a volunteer. I need someone who's really strong and in shape, no shoulder problems. And they're willing to put up with any type of physical abuse. <laughs> No, huh? <laughs> All right, Jim, Jim's going to come up here. Everyone put your hands together for Jim. Jim's going to come up here. All right, come on, come on. Got to hurry, got to hurry, got to hurry. Come up here. Just don't trip going up those stairs. All right, so the, the thing about these, these daddy issues, these orphan spirit tendencies is, is they don't appear heavy at first. So I want you to carry, grab this bag. All right, how heavy do you think that is? Five pounds? Seven pounds. Like, there's like a book in there. I think I have a few different books in there. Now, uh, journals, actually. I didn't take those out. Uh, so the thing about these issues is we don't think they're that big of a deal. But you need to know today, they are robbing you of your purpose. They are sabotaging your calling and the generations that will follow you. So you need to take them more serious than what they look. Okay, so you can throw that on your back. Throw that on your back real quick. Jim and okay, so you could probably go on a hike with that, and you probably really wouldn't notice it, right? So I mean, seven pounds—it's it's a pretty light backpack. There's not much in it. Okay, now now I want you to take it off. And now, I forget—I I apologize in advance, but I want you to hold it out like this. Okay, all right. So he's going to hold that out. How many you think he'll last more than five minutes? Raise your hand. Oh, <laughs> Jim goes, no, probably not, right? All right, well, 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 we'll see. The thing is, is he may last five minutes. He may last 10. He may last 20. He may last 30. But how many of y'all know that he will not last holding it out like that? And so some of us are carrying these things, and we will not last. But God has called us to build something that will last. And you cannot build something that will last if you're carrying these tendencies, if you're carrying these orphan spirits, they're continually trying to sabotage you. You cannot build a life if you continually prop it up on these little things like sand. Not having a true revelation of what God has spoken to you and applying it to your life. Keep holding it up. Yeah, I didn't say you could bend your elbow. Is it getting heavy? Now, in real life, Are you starting to burn right now? Yeah, in real life, I would be 
exactly. Jim's already getting ahead, right? Okay. So, all right. So, the Bible says, like, we're trying to do this on our own. So, you're trying to build something on your own. But God is saying, like, hey, let the Holy Spirit come in and help. Right? Let the Holy Spirit. It says in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand. Watch in vain. Are you allowing God to help you? Jim, is it getting tiring yet? I'm is it getting tiring? All right. All right. All right. Now, okay, now, now I want you to throw this on your back real quick. <laughs> we would have given up. And we need to be able to have that approach in our life. And I, I want to say that there's a lot of things in our lives that are not allowing us to give up these orphan spirit tendencies. And because they can become familiar and we start saying things, well, that's just me. I'm just a guy that struggles with anger. I'm just a girl that has insecurity issues about how my body looks. And that's why they say they're coming out like when a, a, a daughter has a father in their life, they are more secure in their body because a father, a good father, actually gives them good body image. It's so true with our Heavenly Father as well, right? So there's things in our lives that as we hear from our Heavenly Father, we're called to apply to our lives. All right, so how, how long do you think you could stand like this? Long time. All right, so some of us have insecurity issues. And some of us have different types of rejection. These are all orphan spirit tendencies that we are all prone to, right? So let's call this one, what do you want to call that one? Rejection? Let's call this one jealousy, right? Jealousy. So yeah, we're going out there again. <laughs> it's getting a little easier maybe if you have it on each side, right? Right? All right? So, so a, a, a lot of us go around and, 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 and we're carrying these, these types of baggage and we start to get tired over time, right? Here, let me just give an example here. Let me, let me do this, okay? So we're, we, we go to church too, and so we, we worship next to each other, right? And so we also try to lift our hands. So Jim's listening to the worship song and he's got his baggage that he's carrying and I got my baggage. So I, I lift my hands to the Lord and pastor says, lift up both hands and he whack. We're whacking other people on the back of the head all the time. He, he saw it coming, right? Some of us can't even lift our hands because our bags are so heavy. I don't even know what's in this. I think there's some snorkel equipment in there, right? Because the truth is, you don't know what's in other people's backs. So we go around and we start judging other people and we start saying, what's their problem? We start having critical spirits of other people and we are all pursuing the same Lord trying to deal with our stuff that critical spirit is a demonic spirit, and it has no room in this house nor your life. See, we're going around and we're, gosh, Lord, help us. Like, pray for the person. Did you even say a prayer? Or did you say, I don't know why that person worships like that. This person just isn't committed. This person just has her. You do not have the Holy Spirit for that person. It's just a clear evidence. You don't have your heart that breaks. You're going around being critical of every single person. My wife and I, we had an opportunity to go on to a little show. Everyone put your hands together for Jim. Jim, thanks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep these bags up here. And um, because, you know, sometimes we preach carrying this stuff too. Right? Preacher ain't exempt from this. My wife and we had the opportunity to go to a, to a show. And, and it was an illusionist show. We would call them illusions, right? 
And he said these words that stuck out. So he's like, some of you are all up in the stage, and you're like, man, how does he do this? How does he do that? And you're not even enjoying the show because you're watching it with such criticality. Like, and he's obviously saying, we all know magic's not real, right? But just take a moment to enjoy because when you were a kid, you were like, whoa. But then when you got older, you're like, ah. I think it's the same when it comes to church. You've been going for so long, and you're like, ah. And he says, come to me like a child. Children don't care. Children are coming. Hey, guys, we're all at the playground. Let's go play. Yeah, but this has, like, wood chips, and they'll get in your shoes. And Why does that kid have to play like that? And doesn't that mom know that that kid's sick? He's got boogers coming out of his nose. And, <laughs> and we're going over, and we're looking at everyone. And, frankly, we're ourselves propping our own bags up, and our arms are getting tired because we're holding our, our own baggage up and, and comparing to everyone else's baggage, and our arms are getting tired. And so it causes us to get angry. It causes us to get critical because we're carrying stuff that we were never called to carry. Have your arms ever gotten tired? Are your arms tired? How long do you think I could last? You won't last. You'll leave. You'll leave God. You'll leave because you'll say it's not really true. Because you're hearing what he is saying, but you're not applying it to your life. You're saying church didn't really work. Prayer didn't really work. And you've been carrying this. God says, I just need you to apply it to see the transformation happen in your life. Okay, so there's a story in the Bible of someone that got tired holding up his arms. You guys know who that was? Who was it? Moses. It was Moses. Moses, you know, like, thou shall not pass. Oh, no, no, that wasn't Moses. That was, Moses was the, I'm getting tired, guys. <laughs> we start to say weird things when we get tired. We start to say things that aren't really in our heart. But maybe they are because out of the mouth, the heart speaks. Right? It was Moses in Exodus chapter 17 against the Amalekites. Say the Amalekites. The Amalekites were an enemy against Israel. They were a people that were trying to destroy Israel before they got into the promised land. They attacked Israel on their way to the promised land. God did not like the Amalekites. Say Amalekites. Amalekites. You got to remember who the Amalekites were. My arms are getting too tired. All right. So Exodus chapter 17. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow, I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Winning, not winning. Winning, not winning. Now I need you to change your phrase. This is the Amalekites. These bags are the Amalekites. Moses is trying to lift his hands up to God. And the moment he stops calling out to God, the Amalekites come back in. The Amalekites come back in. Okay, hands down now. Oh. It's getting heavy. It's getting hard to, 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 to win this battle against the Amalekites. Okay, God, God's winning. Okay, take this bag off. God's winning. God's winning. All right, going to put the bags back on. 
Because I put my hands down. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. It didn't say his legs were getting tired, but he had to sit down. Because you can only carry this stuff for so long before you stop standing. They got him a stone. Why'd they bring him a stone? You could speculate. Maybe it was easier to help hold his hands up. It didn't say his legs were getting tired. But they brought him a place for him to sit. Because I'm telling you that you can only carry this stuff for so long before you quit. So they brought it and they, 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 they perched up alongside him. Aaron and her held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. Again, remember, his hands being up, I'm calling out to God, God's helping me, I'm walking, I'm applying it in my life. The moment I put my hands down, guess who starts winning? The Amalekites start coming back, right? The Amalekites come. So he sat on a stone, he sat on a stone. I know of another area where someone sat on a stone. It was an angel. After Jesus rose from the grave, the angel rolled away the stone, right? He rolled away the stone. And what did the angel do? The angel, what did he do? He sat on the stone. He sat on the stone, I think, for various reasons, right? He sat on the stone to show ownership over it. Hey, I moved the stone. No man moved it. I'm responsible for this. Why did the stone have to get rolled away? The stone had to get rolled away so that Jesus could get out? No, 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 no. Jesus could walk through walls. It wasn't so that Jesus could get out. It was so that we could get in. It was so that we could see that Jesus rose from the grave, and we didn't have to speculate so that we could see that we too did not have to stay dead but could come alive in Christ. It was rolled away so that we could see there is a way for you to be set free from these bondages. There's a way for you to be able to find freedom. You do not have to put up with that any longer. Why have you put up with what God has set you free from? It is sabotaging you. You have a call of God on your life? Cool, yeah. I believe God has a call of God on every single one of our lives. And this will sabotage us from a call. But more than God has a call on your life, he has a kingdom that he's trying to advance. And that kingdom has more to do with the people in this city and your family than it does have to do with you. Because we make the calling, well, God has something about my life and he wants to take me into this, this new supernatural place. Yes, that's true. God has a call on your life. Say it. Say, God has a call on my life. Yes, he does. He also has a call on your parents' life. Who have been weighed down. And never learned how to. He also has a call on your kid's life. But you've been carrying these. And now your kids have to. Carry the generational. Because the Malachites, the Amalekites are coming. God is calling you to build something that will last. In order for you to build it to last, you got to see that you can be set free. The angel came in and he said, Hey, freedom is available to you. But some of you haven't resisted it and you just kind of put up with it. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It says to come near to God 
and he will come near to you. Well, God, why aren't you setting me free from this stuff? When was the last time you read your Bible? God, why aren't you setting me free from this stuff? God can set you free from porn addiction. God can set you free from alcohol addiction. God can set you free from depression. God can set you free from loneliness. God can set you free from rejection. God can set you free. He came to set the captive free. Well, I'm not resisting enough, so I just kind of fold like a deck chair. Anytime a temptation comes, oh, I lost that battle. You didn't even resist to the point of shedding your own blood, the Bible says. Right? It says, submit yourself to God. Come near to him, and he will come near to you. I've counseled too many people. I got to get rid of this. I said, okay, are you reading the word of God? Occasionally. If you did what you knew, I just need this breakthrough. I just need God to come through and just set me free. You're not even doing what you know. You're building your house on sifting sand. It's not going to get you anywhere. So submit to God and he will. All right, so Malachites. Say Malachites. Freedom. Malachites. Got the Amalekites coming, right? All right, so the Amalekites are something special when it comes to Israel. I thought this was so cool when God, when God was revealing this to me. So let's go back into Exodus. Open your Bibles to Exodus. Exodus chapter 17. Exodus 17, verse 13. We're almost done. Almost done. We're almost done. Exodus 17, verse 13. It says, so Joshua, oh, next one. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. And that's like, oh, yeah. All my men go, yeah. Oh, that was weak sauce. Come on, guys. Say go, oh. There we go. Come on. There's where my men at. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered. And make sure that Joshua hears it. Why does Joshua need to hear it? Because it's generational. It's the next generation. Joshua needs to know. Because I will completely, God's saying, blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, because... The Hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Moses is saying, when you lose focus that the Lord is not your banner, guess what starts coming back? The Amalekites will start creeping back into your life. Those feelings of rejection, the feelings of loneliness, the feelings of depression, the feelings of jealousy, the addictions, the obsessions, all those things will creep back into your life. The moment that you say, hey, God's not my father. The moment you stop looking to the Lord as you mean your banner and being your father, all these things will start creeping into your life. But what does God say? He says the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. He says because these things are going to keep coming after you in your life. But you need to know this. You have a father in heaven that is at war with everything that is at war against you. He hates those things more than you do. He wants them gone more than you do. He wants you to find freedom from those things more than you do. He's at war with them. Why aren't you? Why are we discussing with the things that he's at war with? Those things that are creeping back, we just kind of like, yeah, it's just the Amalekites. You won't last. Yeah, it's just the Amalekites. This is my burden. Don't do what I want to do. My thorn in my side. Do you feel in bondage by it? Then it's not a thorn. It's a devil. 
trying to rob you of your purpose. You've been putting up with it for too long. God's saying, I'm at war with those things. And this year, God is laying a foundation in this church that will build something that will last. He's saying, you need to stop putting up with that. You need to stop bending your knee to that. You need to start fighting that like I am. Because I died for that. I died for you to be set free completely, not partially. So it's from generation to generation. Well, my dad was like that. Well, my mom was like that. You don't have to be. Well, you got kids. God's saying, I need you to break this now. You know why it's so hard? Because it's called the generational curse. It's a real thing in the Bible where generations are following and demonic strongholds are, 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 have privilege over generations. And God says, oh, I will bless you from generation to generation, a thousand generations, because the blessing lasts a thousand generations. Spiritual bondage only lasts three. Right? So you need to get that. Like, right. Okay, so generation to generation, God is fighting this stuff, right? Okay, well, the Amalekites are throughout the Bible. We hear about them, and and one particular story I want to highlight is the story of David when he encountered the Amalekites. This is Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. It says, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites, say the Amalekites. Say it again, say Amalekites. Say bondage. Say baggage. Had raided the Negev. And Ziklag. Oh, you got to know this about the Negev. The Negev was the promised land. It was what God had promised Israel. This is your inheritance. He promised it to him. He says, you will inherit. So the devil comes in to try to rob you of the promise. Oh, you don't have joy of the Holy Spirit. That's a lie. It's a promise. You don't have self-control. Yes, you do. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You have it. I just have to give in. No, you don't. He's not giving you that spirit. Okay, so, Rayla and Negev, they had attacked Ziklag and burned it. And had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them. Carried them off. They went on their way. They didn't kill any generation. But they took the generation. They didn't kill them. But they took them. Because that's what the Amalekites do. That's what these spirit tendencies, these orphan spirit tendencies that you've been carrying, that's what they do, is they rob the generations to follow of the promises of God. They carry them away. That's why you need to stop putting up with that. You need to get that, what's that movie, that Braveheart movie, you need to get that kind of attitude. Freedom is mine! Because God has given it to me. He has set me free. I'm not talking about manifestation. I'm talking about belief. I'm talking about hearing his word and applying it. I'm talking about hearing it and applying it. So they found that it was destroyed. Their wives, sons, and daughters were taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Now they talk about killing David and None of that happened, but God, David in verse 7 says, David said to Abathar, the priest, son of Amalek, he said, bring me the ephod. What you're trying to find out, ephod was a way of determining the will of God. 
What does God say about this? Abathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, the Lord answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Well, God said it. It'll happen. You've got to be playing. God said it. It'll ha- you got to go. You got to go. You got to go to church. You got to be a part of group. You got to read your Bible. You got to pray. You got to worship. Well, this Christian thing, it just doesn't work. You don't ever read your Bible. You don't ever pray. You don't ever get in community. You don't ever get vulnerable. You're never authentic with other people. So you're not going to find freedom. He says, you confess your sons to one another. You will be healed. Your sins to one another, you'll be healed. You got to apply it. I never found freedom in that. It's shady. Found freedom in that. It's going to happen. Got to apply it to your life. All right. So you will certainly overtake them in the rescue. So what does David do? David goes up and he starts pursuing them. And it says he has 600 men and 200 men got tired and they had to be left behind because there's men that are trying to carry these things, but they cannot carry them for too long. They get tired. That's why you got to put them down. You got to be able to give hope to other people. They're like, no, bro, you, you don't have to struggle with that. No, sister, you're, you're made in the image of God. Right? To be able to bring freedom to some other people is bigger than you. Your calling is bigger than you. Revival has less to do about you and it has more to do about your kids and your parents. Okay, just put this into perspective, right? What if the whole time you were praying that God would use you and that you ran to ministry for God to use you, that you ran from the ministry that God called you to? That was your mom, that was your dad, that was your kids. They needed a dad that would believe. The dad thought it was preaching from a pulpit, but it actually had more to do with preaching to his kids and showing them the right way of living. I've seen far too many people chase callings, and they run away from purpose. And they sacrifice the next generation for what God had for me. God has given you your kids. God has given you your parents. God has given you your grandparents. God has given you your cousins. Yeah, that weird uncle, God gave that one to you. And he's called you to minister to him. That's something that will last. Something that won't last has to do with the individual. Something that will last has to do with the generation. David goes after, he attacks the Malachites, he gets rid of them. It says 400 got away because the Malachites always want to try to come back. It says it rescued every single one and brought them back. Because here's the thing, and I'll have you stand to your feet. As the Amalekites try to come back, you've got to continue to be on guard, resist them. Parents, especially husbands and fathers. You are the spiritual gatekeeper of your home. Those Amalekites will try to come back. Wise, if you're in that role, the Holy Spirit will give you the strength to be able to do that, to be able to do so. There's spiritual gatekeepers in this house. Leaders, you are the spiritual gatekeepers of this house. Worship leaders, everyone backstage, everyone listen to me on the sound of my voice. You are a gatekeeper in this house that will affect generations. It is imperative for you to deal with those tendencies of loneliness. It is imperative for you to deal with those tendencies of rejection and jealousy 
Christians, they will try to come back and they will try to get you. Well, but we're not of those that shrink back. We're not of those that put our hands to the plow and look back. No, we are children of the Most High God. We press on towards the mark of the high calling of God. We don't step into a race just to win a prize. We step into the race and we run it to our fullest to win the prize for which Jesus has called us heavenly word. That's why we do this. So the Malachites, right? Okay. Jesus overcame all that stuff in the grave. And he says, I've given you freedom. Go and get your stuff. You've got to have an attitude this year. I know we're talking about built to last. You've got to go get your stuff back. The Malachites came in and took it. I'm looking for some, like, warriors in here. We can get some lady warriors in here. I don't know what they call those. We can, warriors, they call them warriors. Go get your stuff back. Go get your freedom back. Go get your strength back. Go get your confidence back. Jesus said, I didn't bear on the cross and carry that baggage for you to carry it. Go get it back. Go get your joy back. Go get your self-control back. Go get your faithfulness back. Go get your consistency back. Go get it back. You gotta have that attitude. You gotta have that kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I'm gonna go get my stuff back. Well, no, the enemy came and he took it. Like, God, what do I do? That's your stuff. That's your right. That's God has it for you. Go get it back. Come on, how many all ready to go get some stuff back in this house? How many all ready to go get some freedom back? How many all ready to go get some salvation in this house? Lost coming home, to see lost ones come home, to see our family members come home. God gave you that prayer for a reason. Well, God told me that they were going to be saved. Go do it. Go talk to them about Jesus. God told me that I would find freedom in this. Just wait. Go get it back. Say that. Say what they say. Say, go get it back. Say it again. Say, go get it back. Ask some cadence to it. Say, go get it back. Go get it back. Come on. Go get it back. Go get it back. Come on, do you want it back or not? Go get it back. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit to give us that strength, that we don't have to do it in our own strength, but it's in yours. Even as Jim's up here, I'm trying to do an illustration. He's the one proving the point. I'm depending on the Holy Spirit. I don't got to carry this any longer. So I thank you, Holy Spirit, for the strength to overcome. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that we don't have to stay in bondage anymore. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that there is freedom in this house, that there is strength in this house, that there is deliverance in this house, that there is generation from generation, that our kids will be world changers, that our grandparents are coming into the house of God, that our parents are going to be saved, that our brothers and our sisters are going to live in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that it will happen in this house. We believe it. Come on, how many believe in this house today? Thanks for listening to our podcast. If this message encouraged you, help us get the word out. Consider sharing it with a friend, rating, or subscribing. 
If you want to know more about our church, check out our website at mycitychurch.cc or our Instagram at mycitycentral. We look forward to sharing another encouraging word with you next week. God bless.